Good to be in the Lord's house. We're so glad to see each one of you have come. And you didn't get to be here for our candlelight service. It was great. It just uh, was really a blessing and had a great, great crowd. And uh, we just uh, had a wonderful time. So I hope next year you'll make plans on making that part of your, your uh, family's tradition is to be. I think it's so important that we point our children point our children and grandchildren to the true meaning of this holiday that gets uh, so um, commercialized and uh, we understand and nothing wrong with the things and the celebrations that we do but we need to realize what comes first and it's Jesus's birthday <laughs> you know it amazes me how people do all kinds of other stuff to celebrate somebody else's birthday and uh, so uh, just be mindful of that, and we've we've been blessed by that through through these years. And so today we're going to continue uh, talking a little bit about Christmas, and uh, we're going to talk about the joy of the wise men in, in Matthew chapter two. Matthew chapter two. We're glad to have guests with us. We're glad to have those that are viewing on our online uh, service, and we ask that you just follow along as we talk about the joy of the wise men. In Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men, wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled with in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, Art thou not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people. That goes back to the verse that Aaron shared with us. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And they said, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king had departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way familiar story or account i don't like to call them stories because they are true accounts 
of the time that, that Jesus had been born. And evidently, uh, things had gone on for a little while. He was still living in Bethlehem. We find that they have relocated out of the stable uh, into a house at that time. Uh, and these guys we call the three wise men. Scholars say there probably were more than three. They were called the Magi. Uh, some believe that these guys were astrologers, readers of the stars. And there are people, serious Bible scholars, that believe the message of Christ is revealed through the constellations of the stars. <clears throat> I've never been intelligent enough to figure that out. But, uh, but uh, there are serious people that, that, that believe that. Uh, I mean, wrote a book on it. And so <clears throat> there's a contrast, though, here in this uh, account uh, between Herod's trouble and the wise men's joy. He was, uh, Herod, he uh, said he wanted to worship him, but he didn't really want to worship him. One thing we learned in Israel was is that uh, Herod uh, was very, uh, felt very threatened, uh, and he had different uh, houses where he would go and relocate uh, because it wasn't uncommon back those days uh, for uh, figures like him to be assassinated. And so uh, it, uh, it was not unusual. And when you read the Bible account, you find it wasn't unusual for someone like uh, that to be, uh, uh, to be uh, assassinated. And Herod was not a good guy. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people would have said, yeah, he got what he deserved if he had been. So nevertheless, he felt threatened by another king uh, that he had uh, been made privy to, and he knew that the Jews had been waiting him for him and praying for him for a long, long time. Uh, if you'll notice the word exceedingly, uh, it refers uh, to the wise men and Herod. Same, same word. If you go to verse uh, 10, uh, it says that when they were departed, uh, excuse me, uh, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced. This is the, 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 the wise men rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And that word uh, exceeding means uh, out of control. <laughs> uh, they were, uh, uh, they were happy, happy dudes, as we would say. They were ecstatic. Uh, if you would use that word, whatever word you can come come up with in our English language. Uh, and then you go down to verse 16, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked, and the wise men was exceeding wroth. <laughs> it's only English, but I mean, he was just downright mad. He was upset. He was out of control, mad, upset. And the fact that he was willing to go to the extreme to kill all of those male children reminds us back of the days of Moses, doesn't it? And so, uh, but I want us to focus the fact that both were out of control, uh, but one with anger, one with joy, but I want us to focus upon the joy. And I'm big on joy. When John wrote the book of First John, he said, I I'm writing to you that your joy may be full. And we know there's a difference between happiness and joy, don't we? we uh, I've pre preached that for 30 years here. Uh, that you, To have happiness, you got to have something to happen. There's nothing wrong with happiness. Some things make me happy. Some things I do 
uh, make me happy. Some things I see, hear, touch, and taste make me happy. But when bad things happen, and though they might, you might not be happy, you can still have that joy on the inside. And when that joy gets stirred up, you just get uh, knee-slapping happy. And so, first of all, I want us to look at the object of their joy. The object of their joy. In verse 2, <clears throat> we find it says that they came and they said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Three words. It says, Where is he? Born the king of the Jews. Where we have seen his star in the east and we are come to worship him. Who is that him? Who is that his? None other than this baby Jesus that we get so excited about every year about this time. The world doesn't. They just kind of use him as a springboard to do bad stuff. But uh, nevertheless, we understand uh, that these guys were probably not Jewish. Uh, but they knew of the, the uh, Messianic prophecies. They knew that the Jews were waiting and looking and longing uh, for this Messiah. And it was their kind of custom uh, when a new king was born. And a lot of times they were pronounced as kings early on. You know, even at birth, this is the new king. It's going to be one of these days. Uh, they would go and they would help whoever uh, country that they were going to to celebrate uh, their, the arrival of their new king, even though it might be just a baby that inherited a lineage. And so uh, there, was, there was great joy. And, and we talked about the shepherds uh, over in Luke 10. It said, uh, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great what joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So the object of their joy was the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in the form of a baby that was born there in Bethlehem, as according to the Scriptures. Our salvation should bring us joy as well. The thought of a baby bringing them joy. And, and today we think if, if Jesus had not come, we could not have the joy that he brings to our hearts and to our lives. And today when we think about all that who Jesus is and what he did and what he gives to us, it warms our hearts. It brings tears sometimes of joy to those people who are believers. Jesus Christ, such an unusual birth in Isaiah 7:14, that behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall be called what? Emmanuel, God with us. 750 years before the birth of Jesus makes it very unique. It makes it a real bona fide miracle. I heard about a lady that went to the pastor one time after he had preached on the virgin birth of Jesus. And she said, what if I came to you and I told you that I was going to have a baby 
and that I had had no relations with a man. Would you believe me? He said, no, not unless it had been prophesied 750 years earlier by the prophet Isaiah, and that you were going to be in Bethlehem in order to have this child, and that you were going to call this son, he had to be a son, Jesus. And she just kind of huffed away. <laughs> and so today the object of the joy, the object of our joy today should be none other than Christ Jesus the Lord. And I realize we get lots of gifts. I appreciate the gifts that many of you give us during Christmas time. I appreciate the Christmas bonus the church uh, gives me every year. I appreciate that. But the real object of our joy is not in the things, but in the person of Jesus. Number two, we see the search for their joy. It says, it came to pass in verse 1 that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And so we find here that this taxation caused them uh, to be in uh, Bethlehem. We know that. That was a, a very common fact. It was a very unique uh, maneuver uh, by the officials to uh, get folks to come to a certain place. And certainly I believe that it was used by God <clears throat> to, uh, to, to do this job, you know. Uh, and it says this taxing in verse 2 was uh, made, uh, this is in Luke, uh, was first made by Serenius, the governor of Syria. And so we understand uh, that uh, he was the one that had ordered this thing. But it says in, in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 2, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. So these guys, were they came from the east. That could have been as far away as Babylon or uh, Persia. Uh, it was a long way. It was a quite a, a thing that they came seeking uh, this Jesus. And uh, it, was, it was costly uh, for them to come. Uh, it was no doubt dangerous for them to come. They didn't have the, uh, you know, the Texas Rangers back then to, <laughs> uh, to save them if they got into trouble. But uh, there were thieves, there were animals, uh, wild beasts. Uh, they knew that it was a one-time event. And so they, you know, in haste as they made their way, and they came to Jerusalem. You notice that? They didn't go to Bethlehem, they went to Jerusalem. Why do you think they went to Jerusalem? That's where a king would probably be born, wouldn't he? I mean, that was the capital city. While it was a religious center of the Jewish religion, why in the world would they go to a little podunk center called Bethlehem because the king was going to be born? And so they first went to Jerusalem and because they knew they wanted to be there for the birth of this king. And so they wanted to see the king. And, and they were willing to make whatever sacrifices had to be made to, to, to leave this far distance way and to come to see the king. 
And I would say to you today that seeking and finding Jesus is one of the greatest endeavors that you will ever make. The Bible says, seek you the Lord while he may be found. Call you upon him while he is near. God comes near to us, doesn't he? You know, and knocks at our heart's door. He comes looking for us. As I said the other day, I, at 19 years of age, I was not looking for Jesus, but he was looking for me. And he always kept showing up. And I had to deal with two things. I had to deal with my sin, sins of my youth. I had to deal with Jesus. And uh, those are two things that you always have to deal with. And so we find that uh, they came searching for the Lord Jesus. They made great sacrifices to do that. And so today people can still seek the Lord. The Bible says that in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8 uh, that we, uh, he says, uh, who having not seen, I have not seen Jesus face to face. You love in whom you Though now you see him not, I don't see Jesus, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And so here we are, 2,000 years later, still rejoicing over this baby that was born that we've never physically seen. How powerful is that? You know, it's so powerful that they named time after him. The world don't like that. They kind of change that up. But the birth of Jesus, the coming of Christ, was a worldwide event and accepted by many, many people. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm glad that the Lord was there. It made me think I was seeking him, but he was really seeking me more than I was seeking him. I was seeking for something. I was seeking for peace that lasted. Joy that lasted. I was looking for something that would give me purpose in life. And I tried everything that was on the board, but it always ended. Always ended always ended. So I was seeking, but I had not found till I found Jesus. And I didn't understand it. I, didn't, I couldn't explain it. I wasn't raised in a, a family that believed in the, you know, going to church and Christianity and all that stuff. They, they weren't against it. They just didn't practice it. But I'm here to tell you today, after I figured that thing out in my mind, I thought that was the best deal going, and I hadn't tried it yet. <laughs> but the only thing I had not tried was one day as a 19-year-old boy on my, in my Air Force barracks on a red and yellow checkered floor, I got down on my knees, and I got online with Jesus, and I found him, precious to my soul. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And early in my Christian life, I heard a song. I, I put it online last night. It says, I found something that money can't buy. 
I found a gold mine beyond the blue sky. I found a land where I'll live when I die. I found the Lord, a rich man am I. How true that is. How true that is. And so they were seeking the Lord Jesus, and that caused them to have great joy. Then the fulfillment of their joy, back to Matthew, we read that uh, these old boys, they found Jesus, they, they came to him, and uh, he was a little bit older now. He was a young man, it says. I don't know how, how old that is. The scholars still debate over how old he, old he was. But it says, when they were coming to the house, in verse 11, they saw the young child, not the baby, but the young child, with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. They found him, and they worshipped him. Worship, that word worship means to revere, to honor, to give worth. This was a king. I've never known a king. But I imagine that I would be somewhat humble to stand in front of one. I've been to Buckingham Palace, been by it, been to the changing of the guard. And just being in that distant place, you still felt the sense of royalty. And that's the way these wise men felt. You see, worship, my friends, is, is more than just a ceremony. It's more than just having a, a worship service. A lot of people go to worship services and they, their mind really is somewhere else most of the time. We've had funeral services where people have come to me and said, you know, I didn't hear a thing in the world you said because grief was so paramount in my heart and my mind. The truth of the matter is worship is more than a ceremony of service. Yes, they gave gifts. They bowed before the king and they gave him gifts. Gold and frankincense and, and myrrh. Or as a little boy said, you myrrh. But more than that, I believe they gave him, gave him their hearts. That's what the Lord really wants. He didn't need gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But he needed their hearts. And that's what he needs from us today. He needs our hearts. He needs our lives. And the question comes, have we bowed our hearts and our lives to the king? And see, they didn't worship the king. No. They worship the king of kings. And that's who Jesus is. And one day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of lords. He is the king. One day, those old dictators out there, they're going to get on their knees and say, Jesus is Lord. One of these days, all of these anti-Bible people, people that want to get God kicked out of our country, they're going to get down on their knees and they're going to say, Jesus, 
is Lord. And one day, if not already, Herod has bowed before the Lord and said, you are king. Bible said we should bow him bow now, but we will bow then. That's why we encourage people to receive Jesus as your Savior and as the King of your life. Give him the keys of control to your life. Know him now. Know the joy that comes from knowing him and being related to him. You see, when you become a child of God, you become an heir of God and joint heirs with Christ. You're a king's kid. That's the greatest title that you can ever have. You can ever have. So our challenge today as a church is to lift up Jesus. Yeah, we'll lift up his coming as his birth. In every aspect of his life as he grew in wisdom and stature. And as he grew up to become a man. And to go to the cross. And there at the cross, he would shed his blood. He would bear our sins. And he would taste the wrath and the judgment of Almighty God upon sin that was found in his own son. The greatest day of my life, I believe, was the day the light came on. And I understood that Jesus not only died for sinners but he died for me and if they everyone else had never been born he still would have died for me and so today there's great fulfillment in knowing jesus and our challenge is to lift him up he's not in the manger anymore he's not in the house anymore he's not on the cross anymore Thank God he's not in the tomb anymore, but he is alive and he lives to live in our hearts and to change our lives for the better. And if you'll follow his steps, he will lead you in paths of righteousness that will bring great fulfillment and great joy. There's a lot of things I've done that I've regretted, but I've never regretted the day that Jesus became my joy. Years ago, there was a young preacher that was preaching, and he had uh, got into liberalism, preached a social gospel, but he never preached about Jesus. One day, he went to the pulpit, and there was a, a, let, a, a note on the desk, and written in a shaky hand, it said, Sirs, we would see Jesus. And he got to thinking about what that meant. And he thought about it, the fact that he had not been preaching Jesus. He had been preaching a lot of other good stuff, but not about Jesus. And so he asked the Lord to forgive him. And he started preaching Jesus. And several weeks later, he went into the pulpit and there was another note. And on that note was the same, written in the same shaky hand. And it said this. It said the disciples were glad when they saw Jesus. Today I want you to know, I want you to see Jesus. The disciples were glad when they saw Jesus. I was glad 
when I saw Jesus, who loved me more than I loved myself, <laughs> more than my mother or my father or my sister or brother. He loved me. Would you stand with me? Holy Father, we thank you that you sent your Son into the world to save sinners, sinners like me, lost and undone, seeking, looking, trying to find peace and joy, purpose, pleasure. And I found it all in your Son. May people realize today the most the wisest, most intelligent decision they'll ever make will be to seek Jesus because he gives the real goods forever. He gives us something for now and he gives us something for later. And we realize, Lord, that we're going to do most of our living on the other side of death. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us, that we would broadcast Jesus gives joy. He gives the real goods on the inside. In spite of what the world may throw at us, throw at us, or life may give us, Jesus helps us to go through that with a joy in our heart that's unspeakable and full of glory. I pray today if there be those who've never trusted him, that today would be the day that they would cry out, say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Maybe they've been pretending or maybe they've been hiding. They'd come out from their hiding. Say, I want Jesus for life. Maybe there are those who have drifted away. Maybe they come back realizing, Lord, that they've left the real thing that brings joy. And I pray, Father, today that you would bless our lives. Maybe those who are here that want to follow you in baptism, that today they would come and present themselves as a candidate for baptism. And we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name.